Welcome back to Making It So, a Get Into Geek podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Craig, and here's my co-host, Matty. How you going, mate? That intro just feels longer and longer every week. I'm getting so acclimatised to just the really quick Picard <laughs> that that just feels longer and longer every week. I'm good. How are you? Oh, oh mate, I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's been a really busy week, but mm-hmm. uh, yeah, a little bit different for us this week. Uh, so what, this is the fifth episode of Making It So, mm-hmm. and it's also... The fifth episode of uh, Star Trek Picard, season three, episode five, titled Imposters. But Halfway point. Yeah, but normally, Maddie and I would sit down and watch the episode together. Correct. But uh, today, you know, we we had some other stuff going on. and we Life, actually, man. Just life getting in the way. Yeah, it just, it happens. <laughs> so we watched it separately. Yeah. Know? But then we've uh, come together at what, you know, 9.30 at night. Mm-hmm. So we can record this for you, our faithful listeners. Yep, to get it out there. And we'll get it out there, and you know, hopefully, Mitch puts it you know mm. online for us tomorrow morning. So it'll be a new, it'll be a new dynamic because it's like normally we're sitting next to each other, and we're both really bad poker players, and that we kind of give away our feelings while the episode is happening. Whereas here, we're like, no idea. We have no idea how the other person experienced it. Yeah, and we just sort of bounce off each other during we, uh, mm. watching it, and we sometimes pause the episode and we yeah. go from there. But hey, <laughs> it might be a little bit different today. We'll see how we go. Yeah. Oh, shall we crack on with it and I'll uh, read the synopsis? Let's do it. Okay. Caught by Starfleet and facing court-martial, paranoia grows as Picard struggles to uncover whether a prodigal crew member from his past has returned as an ally or as an enemy hell-bent on destroying them all. Directed by Dan Liu, writers Cindy Apple, Christopher B. Derrick, and Akiva Goldsman. Yeah. There you go. That I feel like that that synopsis kind of fell off towards the end there. Like it was a really strong start. And then I'm just like, oh my god, wrap it up, guys. Okay. Well, before we go any further, though, if this is your first time listening to our show, we get into heavy spoilers. We're talking about the whole thing. We will break down yeah. every scene that we feel like breaking down, which is generally most of it. <laughs> We talk through the whole lot, oh, yeah. and if you haven't seen it and you don't like spoilers, pause right now, jump on Paramount Plus or however you do watch it, wherever you are, mm. and go watch the episode. Then come back and finish listening. If you do like spoilers, cool, keep listening. Yeah, I mean, I feel like our first episode would have been like the abridged way to do it. Like you could just listen to this podcast and kind of know what happened in the episode. But the last couple, I feel like we've been going longer than the actual episode goes. So it's actually more time... <laughs> yeah. clever for you to just be like, just watch the episode. Just watch the episode and then listen to us. While you're doing other stuff, while you're doing the dishes or driving the car. Yeah, well, I, I even listen to the podcast back on my hour and a bit drive to work every day. So just... Yeah, just, just <laughs> self-absorbed. Just No, I, I listen to it at work as well. Yeah, well, I guess you probably listen to the um, Get Into Gate podcast and all those that you <laughs> do as, as well. Not as much as I used to. <laughs> I'm not doing as much driving as I used to, but yeah, I'll try and squeeze it in. Sometimes like... Once a month, I'll just catch up on the backlog. Well, Maddie, what did we think of this episode? I enjoyed this episode. This was really fun. I, I enjoyed it too. And mm. like a lot of the other episodes that we've seen so far, some absolutely great character moments in yes. this. And the big thing for this episode, Ro. Ensign Ro. Commander Ro. Yeah. She I- is back. I did not see that coming. No. Not in a million years. They had somehow managed to keep that perfectly quiet the entire time. And given that they filmed season two and three back to back, I mean, um, Michelle Forbes would have 
filmed this probably over a year ago. Oh, you know? yeah. Like the fact that it's been like nothing, nothing, nothing. And then like we spoke about it maybe episode one. Like I remember seeing uh, Denise Crosby like on Twitter being a little bit upset that she was invited to like the red carpet premiere for season three. So I'm like, oh, she's clearly not involved. Didn't, Didn't think of Michelle Forbes. No, not at all. Ro Laren is probably my favourite Next Generation character. Oh, interesting. I I mean, she got a very short run. She did, yes. Um, but I love I love her character, which is, I think, obviously, and Kira Norris is probably my favourite character of Deep Space Nine, who, if you know, if anyone doesn't know, like... Sensing a Bajoran theme here. Well, Ro Laren was, was hired. They set her up on Next Generation and they were going to put her on yes, to DS9 yeah. and, and Michelle Forbes turned it down. So they created Kira Norris. So like that's you know there's a lot of crossover there, but they're also both still very very unique characters. But I guess because I'm you know not a huge Next Generation fan, but it's like Roa was only there for what she had maybe eight or nine episodes across like three seasons yeah, or something I'm like not that. Entirely sure, yeah. Um, so there wasn't a lot of room for her to suck. Um, so yeah, I I really like the um the Roa Laren character. So to get her back was. Just like, I was like, what? Because for a second, I didn't recognize her. Like, oh. I couldn't tell it was her from behind when you just see, like, her being, you know, um, like, what would you call it? Like, uh, flanked by the two security officers. I, I picked it. I didn't see. I just sort of saw the, the red uniform and the black hair. And I went, oh, I wonder who that could be. Because I never would have thought of, in, like, Ro in a million years. And then even when it cut around to her face, I still, it took me a split second. Because she doesn't look like well, the Ro I remember. I, I noticed that the uh, like the ridges on her nose they didn't look as defined yeah, either. I, I thought the same thing. I I thought oh, and the earring she didn't have the earring on either, which no. sort of was like oh hang on. Which oh, I yeah. mean that, that was that was fine in terms of like I mean you wouldn't have seen it with with the cool haircut that she had. You, you barely would have seen it anyway. Um, but yeah, I remember sort of looking at her nose because it's like the the ensign Mura guy on the bridge who's a Bajoran as yep. well. His nose, you can see he's Bajoran. Like, in a wide shot, you can see oh, definitely, he's, he's yeah. Bajoran. Even if you can't see, like, his earrings. Hers size. was just a lot more subtle now. Yeah, so I don't know whether that was maybe, like, a Michelle Forbes thing where she didn't want to go too heavy with prosthetics or anything like that. Or I don't know, but it's, like, in the real close-up scenes, like in that fantastic scene where, you know, she does give an earring to um, Picard, you can, you can really see it there. But maybe it's also got to do with the fact that the show is so darkly lit... Potentially, Maybe it needed yeah. more more light on her face to see sort of her nose. But yeah, I mean, I I I don't miss like the where the the way the early Bajorans had the two little lines that would go like up their eyebrows, which oh, was yeah. like the edge of the prosthetic. Like once you get to like Kira, like they they really they started to fix it up. They yeah. affected that Bajoran nose, so there was none of that, which was great. But yeah, would have liked a little more um, prominent um, nose on her. And I I don't understand the uniform, like. She yeah. was wearing a different uniform to everybody else. And I'm like, mention if, if, if that's something to do with her working for Starfleet Intelligence or whatever, it's like, mention it. Otherwise, why do something different, not mention it? Yeah, and like then, the spoiler alert, alert, kill her off at the end of the episode. So none of it made, like, it didn't add to the story. So why overcomplicate it by giving her a different uniform to everybody else? Yeah, we, we have seen quite a few sort of, Different uniforms kicking around this yeah, season, yeah. But it's know? but it's also like you know you look at generations. It's probably the the most egregious one of oh definitely the 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 trans- a bit of a mixture of older school TNG plus like the Voyager style. Yeah, that was them sort of transitioning over, which is which is also weird because it's like in DS Nine in like season four when Picard and Odo go back to Earth, they go back to the TNG 
uniforms. And so it's like you you kind of get the vibe, okay, so there's, you know, the duty uniform, like the Voyager uniform versus like the very ceremonial kind of uniform that's not a dress uniform. And then, yeah, and then obviously Generations is the one where it's sort of in a transition, but it's like, well, as a viewer, we, we get that. We're like, oh, that's the TNG uniform. That's the DS9 Voyager uniform. Oh, they're all transferring over. So we as a viewer get that. But us as viewers we don't know or understand why Rose pips are halfway down her chest. Yeah, and they're like vertical. Yeah, like I, I don't – just put her in a normal duty uniform. It, the vibe I got from the little bit of information we got about her on the Intrepid was it's not like she was like a special envoy on the Intrepid. It kind of got the vibe that she's been serving on the Intrepid. Oh, I kind of got the, the feeling that she wasn't serving on the Intrepid. She just been She just used the Intrepid – as like a transport to get her there. I, I don't think in the in the brief amount of time we've seen, I, I don't think Shaw could have contacted Starfleet. Starfleet could have got Ro, got her a ship and got the ship out there in time. My vibe was, oh, okay, the Intrepid was just the closest ship available. I don't know, man. Remember um, how fast these ships are now? I know, but also it's been less than 24 hours because there was like that, we'll get to all the, the Raffi War stuff. Like, oh. They've just been sitting around doing nothing for the last day while the last two episodes have been happening, which was kind of bugging me. having a rest. But there was that moment where, like, Ro was saying, you know, I, I don't entirely trust the captain. So I got the vibe, oh, she's a commander in red. She might actually be the first officer of this ship or something like uh, that. Yeah, th- that's... But that's an, an assumption, obviously. Yeah, I, I didn't get that at all. Mm. I, I figured that, yeah, as, as I said, she had just used the Intrepid yeah. as a transport vessel to get them... To get her there, it just, yeah, that's it just, what I that's it just what I figured. Weird for her to to be so distrustful of everybody on the ship, to the point where she's like, "I'm not even trusting the transporters. I'm not even you know blah 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 blah." I'm just like, it, it, I got the vibe she'd been there a while and was in the same way Seven is kind of in the trenches with Shaw when we meet her. I got the vibe Row was in the same same kind of scenario, but yeah, it could be wrong. But oh. I, I would have liked a little bit more. Like, we would be asking any of these questions if she'd just been a normal duty uniform. Like, Seven is a commander in a normal red uniform. Why wouldn't Ro be wearing the exact same thing? Like, give us a reason why. Otherwise, why do it? Yeah, like, I understand why, like, Riker is wearing a different uniform because he's a captain without a ship. Yeah, and he's also, like... um, He's basically reserved. Yeah, reserved and that kind of thing. And and Picard's retired and and all that kind of... So all all that kind of stuff makes sense. But there there has been a lot of... In you know Star Trek for the last couple of years, like in, when you're including lower decks as well, like mm. say like Riker on the Titan or the old Titan, um, the original one, he was wearing like the TNG uh, correction, the first contact type uniform, yeah. And obviously the lower decks, you know, crews wearing their lower deck yeah. style uniforms, which, which would like, be the newer uniform as far as I can tell. Yeah, which so, I'm I'm not a fan of that, but I get it because the whole point of the lower deck show is. They're they're the leftovers. They're the they're the shit guys. Yeah. They don't get the cool looking. It's only they're just like, a California class ship. Yeah, they're just they're just, oh, they're like second contact people. They're not going to get it. They're getting a secondhand ship, secondhand uniforms. Like they don't get the cool. But then it's like you know, beginning of what is it? Season two when or season three when the the Boimler clone is on the Titan and, and he's he get- in the cool uniform. Yeah, and they're doing all the cool movie stuff. So, like, that makes sense in that universe, you know, that animated kind of style. It's like, all canon. Uh, yeah, I, I get all that. Like, that'll make sense. But, yeah, just to have Ro out on her own, like, say that she's just come from Star... Like, 
from Starfleet Intelligence yeah, you know, headquarters or wherever or she's been. But yeah, it's, you know, it's yeah, I just it's and it's the I I definitely enjoyed this episode, and I know that I've been nitpicking the last couple of weeks, but don't get me wrong, like I'm enjoying this. This is so much better than anything we've had in a while. But yeah, it's just little things like that that I'm like, why overcomplicate it? Why are you why are you setting yourself up for failure when you could just keep it simple and we'd all just be like, yeah, and wouldn't raise those little questions like that? And there's a few more that we'll get to later, but oh, yeah. it but was so cool seeing Ro. What while we're talking about Ro though, like we have to mention that dynamic between her and Jean Luc. Mm. Like it was quite uh like this season there's been a lot of people like butting heads with yeah, Jean Luc. Which is like so heaps. And it's so anti-Gene Roddenberry. He was always just like, there shouldn't be any conflict between Starfleet officers. Like, that was his big thing. And obviously, that's come in more and more and more as we move away from, you know, um, Gene's initial vision. But it's like, in the same way that I criticised Shaw last week in that, as much as I loved his performance, what he was saying... Oh, Todd Stashwick is killing oh, it. He's so an excellent actor. The character's a dick. They're just giving him trash. That's <laughs> the problem. Um, so, in, in the same way I criticised last week... This week worked. The the tension and the the way that Picard had been holding on to this resentment of Roe for 30-odd years, that made sense to me because, A, we saw it. Yeah. And also, it's a personal thing. Like, Well, he'd put so much effort into her to get her to be the Starfleet officer that he thought that she should be. Yeah. And then she just threw it all away mm. in, in his eyes. To go join the marquee. There was a fantastic line that I wrote down because it's, to me, it is peak Star Trek and I love it so much. It's a quote that, like, there there was a quote that Kira Narice introduced me to um, in, like, season seven and she's like, you know, in my experience, people trying to convince themselves, uh, convince other people of their beliefs are just trying to convince themselves. And it's like, that's something that's become part of my core being. Like, that's, that's something. And there was one here that, um, Ro said that I feel like it's going to be the same thing. Uh, I've got so many notes here. <laughs> um, <laughs> I hope they're all good notes, Maddie. Well, you know, I'm a nitpicky son of a bitch. Uh, yes, you but, are. Um, no, it, like overall, like that the acting from uh, Michelle Forbes was just top notch. Like, yeah, she's actually quite a good actress or actor in whatever yeah. I've seen her in. Um, yeah, she, she was in Battlestar Galactica for, mm-hmm. you know, like half, well, wasn't even half And a I remember season, when that it? came out, I was just like, it's Rogue! Yeah. It's Rogue! She was in uh, the TV show 24 as well. Like, you probably didn't watch that. No. I definitely did. But she has been such a good actress or actor the whole time that I've seen her in everything. Like, she can, she just commands the screen when she's there. Yeah. Here it is, I found it. So it's towards the end and she says, when like, when, yeah, Picard is having a go at her about, you know you know, just flipping off her morals and, and her allegiances to the Federation for the Marquis. And she says, blind faith in any institution does not make one honourable. Correct. And I fucking love that. And at the same time, this is what annoys me about the shows because they give me a beautiful line like that. But 15 minutes earlier, they had Shaw, who's now suddenly over all his dark shit while he was heavily medicated. Now he's just quippy McQuipperson, just Ooh, totally yeah. light and frothy, being like, hey, you guys are going to prison. Pew, 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 pew. You yeah. know, all that shit. I think that's just because he feels vindicated. Yeah, but here's the problem, though, is they give us a great line like that, but then he made a, a, a quip and a, and, a, and a jab at Picard and specifically referenced 
insurrection and the Baku. Yes, oh, I wrote that down as a note. Now, is that is this not the definition of what Picard was doing in insurrection, which is blind faith in any institution does not make one honourable. He's the one that said to Admiral Dowdy, he's yes. like, how many people does it take before it becomes wrong? You know? Yeah, exactly. It was... He, it one, was, 100? Yeah, exactly. How many does it take? 500,000? How many, how many people does it take before it becomes wrong? Like, and so it's, it's so frustrating to me that Roe can throw that line at Picard and it's so, so good... The writers of this episode don't understand that by making sure, question it earlier on. It just kind of bugs me a little bit. Well, my, my note about that specific line from Shaw is he was using it as a like a reference for times where Picard had broken the Prime Directive. He didn't break the Prime Directive but he didn't. there. He didn't. Exactly. None of those things were. Okay. That was, like, so that was one of my points for this episode, which was like bad writing. Yeah. Not, not particularly bad writing. It was just. How Whoever it? wrote it didn't understand the canon. Correct. They're throw and we'll get to the changeling stuff later because there's a lot of things wrong with that. But yeah, it's like, how is it Picard's fault if the Dura sisters took Geordie prisoner, put stuff in his visor so they could get uh, the shield frequency of the Enterprise, blow it up, and then it got crashed into a planet. Yeah. When Picard wasn't even there, he had handed him himself over to the Dura sisters and then to was get down Geordie on the planet. back. How has that got anything to do with him? And pretty sure Starfleet's okay with it because a couple of years later they gave him a brand new fucking sovereign class to fly around. They in. they gave him the uh, was it the the best ship in the fleet? Exactly, still still captain of the flagship. Yeah. And then the third thing he mentioned, which I kind of get, is the whole Devron system, which is basically um, all good things. Yes, that was that. Which I get, but also that was Q. Exactly. That was Q doing that. You you can't help what a Q does. <laughs> Correct. And it's like and it was the callback to something like Q had been testing Picard since the first episode. So it's like they're throwing in these like member berries to be like, Hey, we know the show, here's some flashbacks that you but fucking nerds just- are gonna love. But they just miss it. They just they're throwing the dart at the board and it's hitting the wall on the side. Yeah, oh, well, I wouldn't say it hit the wall on the side. It definitely those didn't, it didn't get 20 points, that's yeah, for those, sure. Yeah, <laughs> those references. They're like, hey, I know those things, but they don't make sense um, where they were. But beautiful uh, interaction between Picard and Ro Loran. Like, it was so it was excellent. Good. It was spicy. It uh, You could feel that, that animosity there. Yeah. But then you could also feel that deep respect. There as well, yeah, I found, it's especially like, towards the end there. Which I think really sort of reflected the last time we saw Ro, which is when she's on the ship, and they referenced it, holding the phaser at Riker, almost in tears, being like, I'm so sorry I'm betraying you guys, but the the Marquis need me. Like, they, they're in trouble. Like, it's almost, it's almost like Starfleet training forced her into the Marquis. It's like yes. it gave her that compassion to see these people and obviously her experiences with the Cardassians. Um, so it's like, yeah, so much of that was a carryover into this that, you know, and to me this made sense that they've been holding on to this for 30 years because it was such a personal thing as opposed to the criticisms I had about sort of Shaw holding on to his stuff last week. Um, yeah, I loved it. And then it's funny, when, um, when uh, she handed the earring over um, as she was saying goodbye, my first thought, well, I looked at it and I went, that's not Rose's earring. This is a me- I said, this is a message. Because for a split second, okay. I looked at the earring and I went, 
Because I knew that wasn't Rose earring. The design of her earring from the show is very, very different. Oh, I thought maybe they just updated it. Yeah, which I think they have. Because then for a split second, I'm like, it kind of looks more like Kira's That's, earring. I did think that. It looked a lot like Kira's earring. And I went, oh, this is a message. She, he's, she's handing Picard Kira's earring. And maybe we we're going to go to Deep Space Nine. I don't know. That was... Oh, how good would that be? How good would that be? Well, especially with Changelings, it would make sense to kind of go... It would make sense, yeah. And obviously, Nana's happy to return. She returned for Lower Decks um, last season. So did Armin Chimmerman. Yeah. And I'm like, oh my God, this would be so great to see, see DS9. Obviously, it'd be so like cost prohibitive to even CG the promenade <laughs> or ops, ops or whatever it may be. Um, so I knew straight away, I'm like, that's a message. That's something. That's not... That's not just her handing over her earring. It just ended up but then being ended up, her ended research. Ended up being her e- earring, but it was also the message withholding all of her um, sort of info and, and reconnaissance that she'd done on the whole um, changeling infiltration. I loved so, how Riker, though, uh, picked up straight away that it yeah. was like, basically, for lack of a better word, it was like an earring USB type of thing. Yeah. We would, yeah. The only, and this is the nitpicky person in me, and it's like, Bajoran earrings aren't pierced like it had like it the, did have that that thing, big yeah. spike on there and it's like literally the first scene we ever meet of row she has an earring on right she comes she transports it's in. A, more of a clip isn't it yeah the clip on because basically Riker says you need to follow starfleet uniform codes she literally just like unclips it and unclips it from the top of her ear and we've seen that a couple of times in deep space nine as yes. well someone remove an earring so i'm just like it's nitpicky but if, you, if you're gonna if you're gonna give me a close-up on a bajoran earring do your research. Yeah. You oh, well, I get but it. But I, I let it slide. Like, it's not, it didn't ruin the episode for me. I'm just like, ah, caught ya. <laughs> caught you guys. But then, um, Ro, she died. Yeah, yeah, wow. I'm kind of... It was, like, I didn't, like, necessarily expect that to happen, like, so fast. To bring her back for, like, one episode. Like, I'm sure that's probably how they got Michelle Forbes back. Oh, probably, yeah. It's like, hey, we're going to write you these amazing scenes. you got to do one day on the set. And we're going to give you, like, the most epic send-off ever. Because for the last 30 years, we as fans have all been speculating. It's like, was Roe killed when 99% of the marquee were wiped out by the Jem'Hadar? Um what happened? You know, we finally got that resolution. I'm like, oh my god, she's alive. She's been around. She came back to, to Starfleet. Yeah, well, she came back to Starfleet. Served got, prison. Served prison time. She handed herself in yeah. too. She wasn't even like in my mind. I'm like, she could almost be in that episode of Deep Space Nine where uh, Michael Eddington sacrificed himself for that small group of of things. Like maybe she was in the background of that. But no, she handed herself in at a certain point. I wonder if she was at the same Federation penal colony as Tom Paris down in New Zealand. Because, you know, it would be around sort of that time, I reckon. Well, it was uh, the... Well, no, that would have been season three. The beginning of Voyager is the beginning of season three of Deep Space Nine. And it wasn't until season five that all the marquee were wiped out. And it was like season four of Voyager when they got word of it through the um, Herogen um, satellite system. So, yeah, who knows? Well, the timing At, could work out. You know, who knows? Yeah, maybe. But then she did say she was. She went to rehabilitation. She went to like heavy rehabilitation and all that kind of stuff. Whereas, yeah, and then she was approached by Starfleet Intelligence mm. to become a member, which I thought was really cool. And that that really tracks as well. Like someone yeah. that's from that sort of underworldy type of thing, like the Marquis, who's been on the outer with Starfleet, and people would be like, oh well, 
maybe she's not Starfleet. Yeah, and I, and I love that even Picard called it out later on, but the irony of of all people to show up and potentially charge Picard of treason is the marquee trader, like the betrayed him. Yeah. Like, I love that dichotomy that, and the fact that he just hangs a lantern on it and he's like, you of all people, how dare you? Like, But I have to say, can we just have one episode of Picard where we don't go to the Guinan holodeck, like the 10 forward holodeck? I think they like, they they probably spent a lot of money building that set. Yeah, they're like, we need to use it. We need to use it. But I did... I did pick up one potential anachronism there, which is there's that cool moment where Picard goes around the bar and you see him turn off the safety protocol. Yes, I noticed that as well. And it says 10 forward and then in brackets... Um, LA or something. No, it's, no, it had uh, 2023. So, ah, so it was the 10 forward. It was the 10 forward from the past, but then Picard pulls out a phaser, which wouldn't exist in 2023. He did say it was Guinan's phaser. But it wouldn't exist in 2023. I, I can't remember what phaser it was. But 2023, this year. Yeah, I know. Phasers don't exist on Earth in this year. No, but because Guinan is an Alorian. Yeah. Right. What type of phaser was it? Was it a current issued Starfleet it was, phaser? It was, the, it was the exact same. I can't remember, It was actually. the exact same one. Like, Roe and Picard were pointing the exact same phaser. Okay, I thought other. it was slightly different. But again, like... But Guinan's not from the future. Oh, it doesn't matter. She's, it's a, she's old. So she's, yeah. she's come her way through. Phasers didn't exist in 2023 on Earth. So there's no way that she could have one. She might have bought it with her. No, because it was... But that's what I'm saying is all they had to do was not put 2023 in, bra- in brackets and it would have been perfect. Ah. They just do these little additions <laughs> that it's just like you've just ankle tapped yourself. Yeah. Like it was, it was just weird. Yeah, it was weird. I don't know. Like I thought it was great, and I actually thought because we we know that uh, was it Professor Moriarty is going to be in this season at some point. Mm-hmm. When they turned off the safety protocols, I was like, oh, is this how they're going to bring Moriarty in somehow? No, I don't think he'd be on the Titans. No, so, I, I but I wasn't sure, and I was like, if they bring him in now, I thought it was going to be a big mistake, and I'm glad they didn't. Yeah, because what did. How did that end up? It was, he ended up in like a fake holodeck inside a holodeck that ended up as like a little cube on Picard's Yeah, it's just basically a little uh, powered cube yeah, where he thinks so he's I'm, actually I'm in a holodeck. I'm assuming after generations, that was probably salvaged and maybe it is at the Daystrom Institute or Daystrom Station and they're studying Moriarty because he is like a weird um, like thing that shouldn't occur but now exists. So he would be interesting to yeah, study. Yeah, he's, he's an anomaly. Yeah. Um... So yeah, no, it's yeah. I, I'm from the trailers and stuff. It kind of was, it was almost like looked like him and Law could have almost been in the same cell together or something like that. Yeah. Um. So I feel like yeah, they're both going to be maybe at maybe at the. I had to do some research after the episode because it was bugging me every time they said Daystrom Station and not the Daystrom Institute. So yeah, Daystrom Institute is on Earth. Earth in Okinawa. The, yes, and the Daystrom. Uh, Station. station is a space station. Yeah, which up until Picard has never existed before. Like the Day- Daystrom Station has never existed. The Daystrom Institute has always been referred to. And that's why it was bugging me until it's in this episode. We see the Daystrom yes, Station. Do. And it's kind of, it's another little Easter egg. What I love about it is it's basically just the design of Jupiter Station. It does look Voyager, very much like that, yeah. Just with extra modules and a couple of Midas arrays on each yes. side. 
So I love that little Easter egg. And it's like now I feel more comfortable going, oh, okay, so there's the Dave Smith Institute that's safe on Earth. But then, yeah, they have this other weird research station somewhere. Yeah, maybe it's things um, that are too dangerous to keep on Earth. Yeah, which I guess in my mind, I'm like, well, why didn't they just use Jupiter Station? But then I guess Jupiter Station has to be in Seoul around Jupiter. Yeah. So I guess it makes sense that they're, they're putting it somewhere else so they don't have to go back to um, Seoul straight away. So I'm like, cool, okay, not a problem. So that kind of made me feel a little bit better now that I've had that kind of nerdy resolution in my brain. Mate, you're feeling so much more chipper this week about <laughs> the episode. The last couple of weeks you've been a little bit negative. So Wait till we get to the um, changeling stuff. That's okay, well. Really, that's what I'm really going to bring the hammer down. We're getting there. But while we're still talking about Roe and all of that sort of stuff, mm. the ship she came on, the Intrepid, yeah. I did not like the design of Same. the engineering section on that ship. Like, it was like, I don't know how to describe it. It was like <sighs> a, a it was like a little shovel on the it was, front. It was like... It <laughs> like was a like, spade bucket. On it was a, like um, if, if, if the saucer section was a dildo... Then the 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 engineering section was like the rabbit, like the clit stimulator. Yes, that's what it was to me. And I'm just like, like it's fo- I I just don't like these designs of ships. Up close, it was beautiful. Seeing like when you see that amazing shot of like the shuttle hitting the nacelle, and if you look at the saucer, it almost looks like a sovereign class saucer. The way the texture they've put on it, and the stuff as like teching that. and stuff. Yeah, it's beautiful. I mean, it makes zero sense because if you look at it. All the w- if if those are the windows for the crew quarters, they're literally on the ceiling. They're not <laughs> even like I know I know like Galaxy classes had like that real steep, you know thing, but these were literally vertical facing yeah. up. And I'm like, oh guys, oh guys, this is why you need to get like Rick Sternback back to like design these ships. Yeah, I looked at it and um, I was like, it just it like to begin with when you saw them like together, the Titan and the Intrepid, you had to sort of double look to make sure you knew which one was yeah, which, which as which? well because the the nacelles were very similar if not exactly oh, the same almost identical yeah like, and then they both had like that neo constitution dish it was literally just like the back end like, like the, the the secondary hull that was different i understand why they've done the titan as the neo constitution or constitution 3 type of design great but why are we it seems like we're just using all sorts of old ships and updating them like Starfleet can make new ships. We've got all the, they've got all the resources. Like they're not in the middle of a massive war or anything at the moment. Yeah, and like, if, and if we are, like you said, if we are going to get to see the Enterprise F being decommissioned, like it's a pretty sleek, like Sovereign Plus kind of. Oh, it's beautiful model of ship. Yeah, you you have one. I think it's on some of our um, images for the podcast as well. Like like Mitch has gotten. Your version of the um, from Star Trek Online, yeah, was yeah. it the Highlander or something like that? You named, yeah, it? I named it the yeah. Highlander. Yeah. Um. So it's like, yeah, it's a very modern, you know, post twenty three seventy kind of style. It's an Odyssey class. That's what it's called. Yeah, and so it's like to see all these, and like I said, you know, maybe episode one or two. Like, I get it if the people making the show are sweaties for the Kirk era ships, and they just want to do a modern take on that, and kind of give a fuck you to like the JJ ships, and be like, this is how it's really done. Fine. You do you, boo. Give me a fucking Defiant class. Give me a Nova class. You know, give me, give me. Oh, that's that's my jam. So it's like I. Yeah, I want like Odysseys and Lexingtons, and yeah, like, I, I, I want more of um, like the Shenzhou. Yeah, that sort. Of, I want all of that sort of more modern stuff that we're seeing in mm. Star Trek Online, because you know, the designs have got to progress. 
I yeah. feel like at the moment, the design philosophy of Starfleet is going backwards. Yeah, yeah and, and unless that's going to be like a plot point later on where someone's going to like, maybe the changelings are going to throw it back in their face being like, you fucking idiot Starfleet, you're literally going backwards. Like, if it has some kind of overarching thing there, cool. But if it's just the the, the dudes making the show like like that style, fine. But, you know, I mean... I'm kind of over everybody the last two weeks has just been like, oh my God, let's sign petitions and just like everyone needs to green light uh, a sure Titan show. And I'm like, not if it's that fucking ship. No, thank you. Give me a, you know, give me something that looks better than that, that has some fucking lights on the inside so we can see what's going on. We need a new, we, we need a new Enterprise. So the Enterprise G, which could be, you know, a Lexington class ship which you know is an extra add-on i guess from the odyssey style enterprise that we're going to see later i, I want to see an a show with the enterprise again i really do yeah um, i, I want to see that next yeah, next generation i i don't have a particular connection to any of the enterprises like i like you know the sovereign like the the, the next generation movies that's cool but I can t- I don't have that connection, but I also acknowledge the fact that Star Trek wouldn't exist without the Enterprise, and it's a legacy. So, like, I get it. Um, and it's the fl- it's generally the flagship of the yeah, fleet too. I think while Strange New Worlds is still boldly going, I think I'd like to see a modern show on a ship that's not an Enterprise, in the same way that we had next generation and ds9 running at the same time it's like you could tell you know they were very different shows and and that kind of thing so um yeah but i just yeah let's let's see some more modern ships definitely we we need to yeah to to keep it fresh yeah and i think i think you know these five episodes so far have shown that there is room to work in you know the post dominion war post voyager um era there's stories to be told that aren't shit stories like Picard season one and two. Like if you get the right mixture, it can actually be really, really interesting. Like so that they could literally pick up a couple of the stories from Star Trek online and turn them into excellent series. They really could I would I would love to explore, yeah, more of the Iconian stuff. I think that yeah, would Yeah, the be, Iconian war. That, yeah, I think that would be fantastic. Because would be amazing. You know, they'd brought it back for Deep Space Nine. So, you know, you could bring it back and, and make it interesting. Oh all right, moving on. Um we get a lip, little bit more from Jack Crusher in this episode. He's a werewolf. You reckon he's a werewolf? He's a werewolf. If anyone's seen that, um, the that terrible <laughs> teen drama, Teen Wolf, with um, haven't seen Tyler it. Posey. When you become like, I think it's, I think it might be an alpha. There's different color codings depending on what you are. But if you're like, I'm pretty sure it's an alpha werewolf. Your eyes glow red. He's a werewolf. That's it. Done. Sorted. That's it. M- Maddie's figured it out. Yeah. You know, we can end the episode right here. Yep, wrap it you up. Know. All right, we can. <laughs> All right, no, we'll stop it. We'll keep going. <laughs> um, yeah, he's a werewolf. I just, I don't know what is going on with him at the no. moment. Has he been modified somehow by the changelings? Um, w- w- why was he um, Jason Bourne? He would totally, and that's <laughs> that the, was full Jason Bourne. All the other stuff, I was like, oh my god, I've never been so bored in my entire life. With all like the dream sequences and all that kind of stuff, I'm like, I'm so bored, I'm so bored, I'm so bored. And then there was the Jason Bourne moment, and I'm like, that was fucking cool. Yeah, um, it's, he was active. It was like he's been activated. Yeah, and it's like 
him nearly dying, breathing in that gas from the other episode is kind of reactivated that. And there was that callback to like Beverly said, oh, the way you're acting now basically reminds me of the way you're acting when you were really, really young, when you couldn't sleep and blah, blah, blah. So I feel like it is something that's been in him since birth. So that does add a little bit more validity to my idea that it's some kind of um, like organic Borg remnants. And something that was given away in I had the subtitles on. Okay. And you know how we've been we've been discussing the the voice that he's been hearing saying, Come home, come home, find It me, sounds find like me. that sounds like Beverly to me. Well, okay, so the first time you hear it in the episode, it actually literally says in brackets, Beverly, come home, come home, come home. And I went, Oh. And it wasn't Ooh. until the scene where he has the vision, the transporter room where he's taking everybody out, at that moment, I heard Beverly's voice. It's, it's so it's definitely Beverly's voice. So is, I, is the Beverly that we're seeing actually Beverly? I don't. I think with all her stuff about the like her, you know, oh, she, and she started cutting, to figure out the changelings as well. Yeah, she's so. been cutting them up. So I don't think she's going. But maybe, yeah, there's been some kind of conditioning or some. I don't know. But the Jason Bourne stuff got me a little less bored with what the whole vision thing is. Um, so that's tidying me over a little bit. That red door, I still haven't figured that out yet. Yeah, that's and then, like, what is it? And then in his vision, where like the engineering chick is like, it's like taking over her face in a really weird, like, staggerty. It's all kind of. Pattern. It's almost like like Borg nanoprobes taking over a face. Yeah, but, but in an organic way. Like, is um, it something to do with species eight four seven two? I mean, it could be. It could be because I don't heard, they have something um, like because they're like a changeling type of thing as well. To an extent. Well, yeah, I mean, they've obviously changed from their, their tripedal species. Like, they could turn themselves to become human by taking injections and stuff like that. Um, oh, this, could this be Craig's theory for the week? <laughs> <laughs> um, and, yeah, it was a little bit because there was that episode where um, Harry Kim gets kind of scratched by the a 47 He has, like, all those tendrils growing yeah. out of his mouth and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, it could be – and, you know, there was that that line in this episode about how, like, the changelings are kind of evolving into something different. That was the only part of the changeling arc I liked this episode. Everything – the science around it was bullshit, um, but the moment where they're like, oh, why are they doing this? Like, they're evolving into something different. And I'm like, that could be – Are they genetically engineering themselves? Well, the, the, the weird thing for me is, like, um, the, the Thomas Decker one that – Bo- that Worf killed obviously was a more traditional changeling because yes. he just exploded. Yes. Whereas, and obviously we talked about it a lot last week is we thought seven must've stunned the, the Sydney um, changeling because yeah, stayed in, in form. And now, you know, Bedley was talking bullshit that none of that makes sense about why. Um, so yeah, so there was, there was Five in total, we because there was the there was the one that was on the Titan, yes. and then there was the four from the Intrepid that um, Jack killed. So there's at least five of those changelings that are different to that one changeling that was. It's um, almost like that breakaway group from uh, the Great Link that yeah. they spoke about. It is genetically engineering themselves, and they've got like a, they've almost got different versions where they're trying to perfect their yeah. their their genetic manipulation. Yeah, and obviously the one that was on Metallus Prime is just a bog-standard um, changeling, so he just disintegrated, sure. And then we've got these new versions. And then, 
was it last week was the episode where Vadic like cut her hand off and it was the change? That name? was last week, yeah. Yeah. So I saw a tweet and uh, from Terry Metallis and he just said, no, Vadic's a changeling. So apparently what that scene oh, was. I saw that as well. Yeah, I think I sent it to you. Um, yeah, there was, the, the so thing where she'd cut it off, it was like on a pedestal or something. So maybe it was a communicator pedestal. Yeah, that bowl with the light was a communication system. So she cut off part of herself and then used her goo to access the communication system. And, that, and it was just like a, a changeling version of a holographic communicator using her own hand. But I was also like, okay, well, if she was if she was a traditional changeling... Why'd she have to cut her hand she, off? Yeah, she would need to cut it off. But then there was all that bullshit that Beverly was saying about how, like, when she was doing the autopsy, the organs weren't going back to their gelatinous state until they were, like, heavily dissected and all yeah, that kind of stuff. I, th- I actually so, thought that was really cool. Like, because they're, they're trying to make themselves harder to detect. It's, it's good, but the science doesn't track. So I'll get into some of my deep dive... DS9 knowledge here, but it's basically they got it a little bit wrong with the blood screenings and all that kind of stuff. So that started in the episode that we referenced a couple weeks ago, Adversary. Yes. So it's the whole point of that is if you bleed and blood drips out of you onto the table, when something leaves Odo, that's like when it detaches from his body, that's when it returns to gelatinous form. So because... Cisco was bleeding and it was dripping onto the carpet. They went, oh, Cisco can't He's, be a changeling. Yeah. So they started doing the blood screenings where they would e- extract blood, hold it up, and wait to see whether it changed or not. But then cha- changelings have been able to, like, fake that, the, the, um, the blood screenings, since, like, season four of Deep Space Nine. So, if you remember, we're introduced to Martok at the beginning of season four. He does the cut, the cutting of the hand, drips onto the table, makes Cisco and Kira do it. Oh, okay, now we're all we're all who we say we are. We can keep going on. Well, we find out a year later that Martok was a changeling the whole time, because then on Tiger Court at the beginning of season five, he's exposed as a changeling. There's also that line in season four where even Cisco's father is like, well, if I was a changeling, I would just suck the blood out of somebody and hold it in me and let it out when I need to. So changelings have been able to beat blood screenings for fucking forever. There was Um, an interesting line. Well, just the other part is um, Beverly cut the cadaver, like the changeling cadaver, and just let a little bit of blood leak out. It needs to separate from the body to prove that it's not a changeling. Yeah. So in the same way, Ro just cut her hand and just showed blood. Changelings can do that. It needs to physically separate from the body before you can accurately tell whether they're a changeling or not. So it's, like I said, they just got so close, but they just, like, just tripped at the last the, minute. The, the little bit of ca- canon Star Trek science... Yeah. Not real world science, but a little bit of canon science. Yeah, it's like you're so close. It's like if you're going to deep dive into it and bring back the changelings after 30 years, just fucking spend a long weekend watching the episodes. I actually like like... I actually like that they've brought the changelings back or oh, some absolutely. sort of change as an enemy because like we've done the Borg to death by now. Correct. Right? And, and I love that Beverly was the one that was just like, let's science this shit. Again, same as last week. Yeah. She's like, back at her roots... 
Like, let's just. Do you notice she was shit. in in more of a Starfleet medical uniform again that. as well? I'm yeah. Like, is that like the modern chick version of you know how like Cisco and Picard would sometimes wear that vest? Yes. From the first contact uniform, I'm like, is that her version of that? Because she's also wearing a combat. Yes. Whereas Jack wasn't until he was put in uniform. Yeah, Seven gave him the uniform. Um, but Which Shaw didn't even recognise him as not one of his crew members. Oh, really? No, I missed that. No, because he he called him. Uh, he called him crewman or something. Oh, I t- which is weird because he was wearing an ensign pip. Um, yeah, I totally. Or, or that. did he call him cadet? I think he might have called him cadet. But you're like, oh, wow. it's like, dude, you've got a ship that's probably only got, you know, four hundred people on it, and you're the captain. Yeah. Surely you would recognize him. And plus, well, even less by the end of the episode because everyone's getting taken off the ship. Yeah. Plus, you'd already seen him before as Beverly's son. Yeah. He's the MacGuffin of this entire yeah, series. Like, I, I missed that, that he, he called him something else. Yeah, I was just like, come on, Shaw. Um, like, surely you're not on that much, many drugs at the moment. Well, I mean, to be <laughs> fair, his crew do change their appearances for no reason at really weird times. Did you notice that Sydney LaForge, somewhere between... She changed her hair. Changed her hair. Yes, I noticed. So, so I, somewhere between her vomiting at seeing her own dead body, Roe coming on to arrest Picard... Rose saying, oh, we're evacuating the entire crew except for your skeleton crew, and you see them being transported out. At some point in that moment, Sydney thought, now's a good time to go and hit the barber. It's going to be interesting to see next week if her hair goes back to the way it was Yes, and see if it is like a goof. Or, in my mind, I think she changed it to differentiate herself from the dead body, which made her vomit. I would love that. And maybe it got cut for and time. And I hope, yeah. Maybe it got cut for time, but I feel like they can run whatever time they want. So maybe it was just cut for pacing. But I kind of love the idea that she went, oh my God. That was me, yeah. dead. And I was I need to look different now. Correct. Um, but yeah, obviously it's a weird time to do that when the ship is being evacuated. So maybe that's why they cut it, because it just didn't fit in with the timeline. Oh, who knows? Maybe she just sticks her head um, in a replicator and presses a button and it gives a different hairstyle. Still, the Admiral's about to be like arrested for treason and all her crewmates are getting taken to a different ship. I'm like, is now really the time for a hairdo change? Yeah, I guess, you know, she could be the 25th century version of a millennial. So True. just does things on her own whim whenever the hell she feels like it. <laughs> Um, speaking of that too, like Jean-Luc just needed to relax and I'm glad that Jack called him out on it at that moment where, where Jean-Luc's just like, oh, you know, Starfleet's a really great place. When this is all over, maybe you want to join Starfleet. And he's like, fucking no. <laughs> yeah, basically. Are you high? Like, he was almost like, come on, follow in my footsteps. Yeah, I was just like, come on, Jean-Luc, just ease up. Ease I do up. like how uh, Jean-Luc was ready to take the entire blame for the whole thing as well with yeah, uh, Starfleet. even though technically I feel like Beverly should be taking the blame for it. She uh, started it all. Yeah, took, oh, yeah but he, he still chose to, yeah. I suppose to when steal she, when, the ship, basically. When she, when she said, trust no one, especially Starfleet, and he literally brought Starfleet. <laughs> like, they haven't actually explained, like, that yet either why like because beverly must have been like well why don't why doesn't she trust starfleet yeah and she has well, really, like they because she didn't know about the changelings no i think it's something different because there was it's a blink and you'll miss it reference with that with that weird anachronism where the dates don't line up where we saw that flashback and they said it was two months ago but then jack said he's been on run for six months so it did make sense but there was a line in there where it's like oh we got done by some Klingons and some Fenris Rangers and even a couple of Starfleet officers. 
So oh. those Starfleet officers would have been changelings. Probably. Yeah, yeah. Or working for Vatic or whatever. Um, so I think that's that's the only reason she said don't trust Starfleet because they've been attacked by Starfleet. But, I mean, it, it was made to be such a big thing for that first episode and, and really it's actually got very little to do with where we are now. Yeah, okay. Um, what I did love, though, I saw a tweet today and Terry Metalis is like, he's like, yep, that's canon now. That's, that's, I'm using it. Someone realized that the trio of Picard, Beverly, and Jack is PB and J. <laughs> so now them as a trio is PB and J. Terry Metalis is like, change approved. Done. That's, that's their little group name, PB and J. Oh, let's uh, move on a little bit here to probably the most dynamic duo that we've currently got in this season. You know, the buddy cop type of thing. <laughs> Worf and Raffi, just killing it again. I love this duo. I'm And because I had the extra time this afternoon as well, mm. I jumped on my computer and I put on my VPN and went onto YouTube and looked up um, Will Wheaton's Ready Room show because oh, it's nice. only available on US YouTube. So yeah, I, so I put myself in. And they had... Michael Dawn and uh, Michelle Hurd on the ready room. Oh, fantastic. It was excellent. Just like their dynamic as people and as the characters in the show is excellent. They bounce off each other perfectly. It's so good. I was very torn because everything I saw of the two of them I loved, but it kind of felt like they were just spinning their wheels in the mud. Like we didn't see them at all last week. And the week before, like episode three, they were like, we need to head to Daystrom. They miss an episode, get to this episode, and they've just been like in their ship for the last, uh, like 24, and it's only 24 hours have passed, but they've just been in their ship waiting to hear back from Worf's handler because he's a handler, but he's got a handler as well. And and I'm just like, oh, I kind of wanted them to just to, to get there already because if you look at everything they did in this episode, it was kind of like that unnecessary step last week with the bucket. It's like, oh, so we said we're going to Daystrom. Cut to two episodes later, we haven't moved yet. So now we're going to go and find this other guy who was part of the group of the guy whose head we cut off. Crin. Crin. And Sneed's head was the one that was cut yeah, off. Yeah, and he's going to give us, well, we're going to take this little bit of stolen technology that's going to allow us to get into um, the station and I'm just like, it all just felt like an unnecessary step. And I'm just like, well, there's Starfleet officers working for Starfleet intelligence. I know that they're higher. Like there was that weird line where Worf had, he's like, oh, that denial was coming from someone above my handler. Yes. So I'm like, I wonder if Roe was his handler. Like, Roe was his handler. Oh, okay. Okay, cool. Didn't you get that at the end there? Well, it was a little bit ambiguous. Oh, I didn't think so. Hey, I thought it was pretty like, this is how we're joining the show. And... Like, I thought it was pretty, you know, like, it made I sense. Just, I just didn't know. Like, I didn't understand the transmission. Was that Worf calling his handler or was it because, like, we accessed the earring? It's because of the earring. It, it called Worf. Yes. Right. That's okay. exactly what that was. Yeah. But obviously there's that weird thing where it's like, yeah, Worf was talking about his handler, but then also someone higher up. So it, it wasn't Roe denying him. It was someone higher up who I guess we're assuming is a changeling denying him, giving him access to go to Daystrom Institute. But I just feel like they could have just hopped in the ship and just gone to Daystrom and bluffed their way in. Like, I know there is, they're, they're saying now, oh, there's this AI system. 
that's you know they need this chip to get in because and I'm just like it all just seems like a lot of unnecessary. Yeah, well, now steps. I'm wondering if that chip is Moriarty as well. Oh, it could be. It could be. Yeah, or, or is or is Moriarty the AI protecting Daystrom? Yeah, like because like, he's such a clever cunt. Um, so yeah, I'm just like, oh, I kind of just wanted them to be there already and start start doing it, but everything I saw, I really enjoyed. Yeah, so like. like it was fun. Like Crin, I thought he was quite interesting, like being a Vulcan and Yeah. It was there was there Like was we don't a, usually see like bad Vulcans like that. Yeah. And there was just a slight inaccuracy for me where like his very, very first line when he was like, I trained under a Vulcan master who once said blah blah blah. But then later on he's like, Oh no, Sneed and I grew up together. That's They're brothers. my brother. And it's like I love the idea of a Vulcan never having been to the home world because in this in this universe how does it track with JJ does Vulcan exist now yeah Vulcan still exists Vulcan's yeah because that's a completely separate universe okay so the Vul- whole JJ fucking stuff that's completely separate but did Vulcan blow up in our universe and that was I don't think that's happened okay. in our All universe right, cool. no it's not cool. happened um so yeah I really like the idea of <laughs> our universe <laughs> it's a TV show guys um <laughs> I really like the idea of yeah a Vulcan being raised on a shit planet like Metallus Prime, having to scrape and and beg and steal. Um, but it's like there is a certain amount of like Vulcan genetics in him that still gives him a lot of logic and and certain things are innate. But then he's also not logical enough to just be like, yeah, I'm a fucking gangster. Yeah, um, it was really interesting. There was one line that I didn't get though. Maybe you'll understand it because I did watch a little like, is it Screen Rant? Maybe they do like the little. Uh, here's all the Easter eggs from this episode. Oh, there's quite a few to, of those. Yeah, things, I was able yeah. to watch that on on YouTube afterwards because I was hoping you would explain it to me. But they were talking about how what a great line it is, and I'm like, no, it's not. It doesn't make sense. <laughs> um, what was it? What do you got? Maddie's notes here. Yeah, I'm just. Oh, well, Maddie. Here we go. There can be no utopia without crime. What? A utopia by definition would be a place without crime. So I get, you know, maybe he's trying to say that. Where they say, oh, you know, there can't be darkness without light. Like that makes sense to me. The yin and yang type of thing. Yeah, but I'm like, well, no. if, If this place is a utopia, it's free of crime. There has to be another planet that's just a shitbag. Yeah, but then it's like, well, when that place becomes a utopia, there's no crime there either. So eventually there would be no crime everywhere and everywhere would be a utopia. So I, I don't understand what he's saying. The rest of the line was, say, um, there can be no utopia without crime. Ergo, an organised crimi- criminal enterprise is logical. And I'm like, no, the fuck it isn't. Like, your logic is flawed, dude. I don't know. I, so, I, I, yeah, that I, one, I did hear it. It could make sense to other people, but that went straight over my head because I'm like, nah, bro. But maybe I'm misinterpreting it. I don't understand. Yeah, I, so. it could be interpreted a different way, I mm. guess. But I see here on um, IMDB, they've got a little bit of trivia down the bottom for this episode. Mm. It says, when Worf looks up the name Kryn, the list of names also contains Morn of Luria. I, I saw... T- oh, was Morn there? Br- I saw two. I Brunt saw two. of Ferenginar. Yes, I saw and Brunt who are- and I saw Lorel. 
Right, and it also says who yeah, Brunt of Ferengnar, who were both recurring secondary characters on Deep Space Nine, as well as Thadian Okana, who has appeared on The Next Generation and Prodigy. Oh, the outrageous Okana or whatever it yeah. is. Well, no, there was another one there, and it, well, obviously IMDb's missed it. It was Lorel. Okay. Lorel was the girl from Who Mourns for Morn, the one that was posing as Morn's wife. Well, that makes sense because it mentions Morn here. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I recognise because I fucking love that episode. Um, and yeah, they're the ones that that stole like the bowling lottery or whatever it was. Yeah, right. Um, yeah, so that's Laurel uh, was in there. She was the one that was in the mud pit. She was she was sw- swimming in Morn's mud. Um, but yeah, I didn't see I didn't see Morn. I only saw I saw Brunt and I saw Laurel. Yeah. Okay. Well, you know, Starfleet is you know compromised at the highest levels. It seems mm-hmm. so. Like we've only got five episodes of this season left. Like, yeah, like it, we're it, halfway. It feels like there's a lot to wrap up in five episodes. Like, obviously, the episodes are quite long now. Well, we still haven't got to Geordie or Geordie's Deanna Geordie's going to be next week. Geordie, Deanna, Law, Mori. I mean, Moriarty could be a five-second cameo, and that's enough, and I'm fine with that. That's, yep. that's great. But I feel like, yeah, we need a lot of Geordie. And we still haven't met Geordie's other daughter, his, his real-life yeah, real daughter, daughter. Yeah, That's going to be in the show. Um, Law, Deanna. I mean, we got Ro. I'd, I'd, I'd love a sealer. I'd love a sealer moment, but I know that's oh. not real. I don't think that's going to happen. Unless it's been like a long con with Denise Crosby on Twitter, I don't think it's going to happen, but that would have been cool. Let's just, because we kind of skipped over the Wharf and Raffi stuff a little bit. Mm. Their training sequence in the La Serena. I thought was really cool. I just wish it was lit better so I could see more of it. It was mm. cool. I wanted more more light on it. But then when uh what, what was his name again? The uh, what you say? Vulcan Crin? guy? Crin? Crin? Yeah. Uh, yeah, so when they made or when he yeah, it was definitely Crin. Yeah, definitely Crin. Yeah, when when he made uh Worf and Raffi fight and mm. then Worf got stabbed, I was like it just for me it just it didn't feel like it had the stakes that like we were going to lose Worf. Well, no, he pretty much gave it away before that. Very quickly, yeah. Like if, if you if you listen to what he said to Raffi before that, that was his basically wink, wink, nod, nod of saying, "Kill me." Like that's like yeah. he was playing, and I like the fact that they drag it out too long before he just showed us all that it was a ruse. And he came back, I'm like, yeah, sweet. And I did like his, you know, he started trying to explain it and like tech the tech and he's like, I'm And then actually, he's actually bleeding I'm, out. I'm bleeding. Can we just get to the interrogation part? I loved that. Yeah. And I've seen a lot of people online talk about, um, you know, the, this new Worf and it's like, this is a post-Jadzia Worf and it's like, Worf now knows that he's funny. Like, yeah, he un- does have un- more of a sense of humour. Until humor. he met Jadzia, he didn't know he was actually funny. Um... So I kind of, yeah, when I see moments like that, it kind of makes me go, that's that's the influence of Jadzia Dax. Like that, I don't think we could get this kind of quippy wharf like that had he not been with Dax for so long. So that gives me a little bit of warm and fuzzies. I kind of love that. Um, but yeah, I'm glad they didn't drag it on. Because yeah, I'm used to, it's like, well, we're not killing Worf. A, because we've already seen the trailer where we haven't seen the line yet where he's like, I am now a pacifist or whatever, you know, that line or whatever. Yeah. We haven't seen that yet. So we know that there's still more Worf to come. So don't try and fake us out, you know, with a death. Um, but then obviously later in the episode, we get an actual, ro- well, a presumed actual row death. There was a... Yeah, a, I don't see how she's going to survive that one well, unless was, they somehow beamed her out. Well, yeah, well, there was a brief moment there where it said transmission lost and then like a full five seconds of the ship still like careening into the nacelle. 
So I think there's a little bit, the hopefulness in me is like there's a still a little of ambiguity in there. Um, and if I, I mean, if I want to be real nitpicky too, it's like, okay, so the two changelings armed the, um, the, explosive, the device. explosive device, beamed out, and then five seconds later, Roe can't beam out. But it's like, oh. you can explain that. I could in, in my mind straight away, I'm like, oh, well, maybe the device has like a five-second delay before it emits uh, a transport jammer. And I'm like, that, that's enough for me. It, it didn't ruin the moment for me. Um, mainly because I'm just like, oh, I just want Roe to live. I want her to be around. I want her to be part of the team again. So one thing I noticed there, um, so the changelings beamed out of the shuttle, right? Mm-hmm. That's when we go back to the Titan Bridge and they're like, oh, yeah, crap. Red alert, shields up, right? Yeah. Then we go to Jack in the hallway, right? The shields are up on the Titan, yet we get two changelings Correct. beam in. Yeah. I was like, well, unless they figured out how to beam through our shields now. Like, but it was, it was Federation beaming. It's like I know in Deep Space Nine they hid behind dominion transporters being much more advanced they could do it over a long distance and all those kind of things and through shields but it's like these are still just i think yeah it was a little bit of editing um timing off i think yeah just a little bit of you know you could could have they could have moved a scene or cut a scene or changed some time and it screwed up that little moment or something like that yeah and and it's only people like us that you know will notice stuff like that the casual viewer probably wouldn't care it was like that same issue i had in episode two or whatever it was where the Titan, when it warped in to cut the tractor beam between the Elias and the the Shrike, but then they were able to throw the Elias at it and the Titan didn't have its shields up. And it's like, if you're going to warp in, in between two ships to Keep break... Your shields on. You're going to have your shields up. Um, you know, yeah, so there's little things like that where you just go, oh, so close. And I am... I know you talk about Star Trek Online a lot. I've never played it. I've only played like Armada... Um, Starfleet Command 3 and stuff like that. And that's embedded in me that it's like, when you hit red alert, shields go up automatically. That is part of what red alert is in the games. So I know it's not canon in the show, but in my mind, if I'm a captain on a ship and I say red alert, that means shields up, arm phases and photon torpedoes. If if you guys here at Ops and Tactical are not putting the shields up, you're getting a backhand. I mean, what <laughs> what what else is the reason to say red alert and have sirens and lights go off around the ship unless it means fucking shit's about to Prep go down? Prep for battle. And for me, yellow alert is shields up but no weapons. Yep. That's that's that, that's, that's what it is. Yeah, but that's that's from playing the game. So it's like I give it a little bit of leeway, but I'm also like I understand there has to be elements um, that are kind of forgiven for plot. Um, like I saw um, a tweet from Terry Metalis because a couple of people kind of people have been very mixed about the whole bucket thing from last. Oh week, yeah, I've, I've seen a little bit about that, and I'm just like, guys, get over it. No, no, I'm still, I'm still, <laughs> I know, very, right, so I'm still very anti-bucket. Let, but let, there, let's there was get a, into your a, stuff. There with was the changelings. A, there was a moment. Um, uh, a tweet that Terry and he's like, he's like, yeah, the changeling just replicated it on board. He didn't bring it with him. It was just in the replicator buffer on the Titan. So he just replicated and that's how he's got it. But obviously my reply would be like, why would you have a bucket in the first place? Um, so yeah, there's just little elements. And Terry Mattel said like, we just, we needed a plot point. So we, we, that's what we did. We just made it. We just made it up. And it's like, you know, so you forgive a little bit of that, but it's also like, I'm holding the show to such a high regard because it has such potential that when it's, they, they make these little stumbles, I'm just like, oh. I'm sure if we went back and say, watched DS9 again, 
after yeah. rewatching the next generation, we would find little inconsistencies oh, as well. Absolutely, absolutely. Like I was actually rewatching an episode the other day with um, Michael Eddington, um, and he's like, "Oh, what did he say?" Instead of saying, um, "Please don't share this with anyone without a level seven security clearance," he's like. Please don't share this without anyone below a level seven. Level seven, or just something. a little little word just differences. Just a little, yeah. Just not security clearance. He said, "Oh, that's what it was. It was levels uh, he, below security level ten or security level seven. And I'm like, well, that should have been security clearance level seven. Yeah. Um, and it's like, yeah, you, you let those little things go as long as as long as like a major plot point doesn't hang on them. It's fine, and yeah, that was that was something that was just mentioned. That's hand, the difference between so. different writers and directors, and you know, exactly. all that sort of stuff. Exactly. And so it does make me wish, though, that, and I know some shows have done it, but it's like what they need to do is just like get a real sweaty Trek nerd like us who's seen all the episodes a hundred times. Well, I've got Terry Metalis. <laughs> well, no, because he's sitting, he's letting shit fly. So yeah. I'm saying they need someone there as like a script supervisor. Like, imagine if I was on set and I just went, "Hey guys, that that 2023 on that." Uh, holodeck, they just get rid of that. Erase it now. Erase it now, and it's fine. Or you know, and just to bring up little things, it's. I think it's one of the reasons why, uh, and this is that's one for me is uh, when we do the Stargate podcast over on Get Into Gate. Yeah, I don't mind. You can talk about <laughs> it on this Star Trek podcast. We can it's talk about like other sci-fi, sci-fi shows without feeling bad about it. Yeah. <laughs> um, one of the like producers and directors on the show, he's well known for being the one like in the writing room or you know on the day being like. Hey, why not this? And like, or, or just like pokes a hole in the plot and says, "Well, they wouldn't do that because of this," and then it forces the writers to like go, "Oh, well, it's because blah blah blah." So it's like they can justify it on the day. And I'm like, I feel like that's what this show is missing: is just one ultra sweaty to just be like, because obviously, like Terry Mattel's probably you know super fucking busy, like overseeing a whole production. Absolutely. He wouldn't have been there for every single frame of this show shot. So no, it's like no, no. you need a script supervisor there who knows their shit to be like, um anyway, maybe there was one there and the directors just went, Pipe down. We're we're in a we're in a rush here, we need well, to do this. So all right. I get L- it. let's talk Stargate just quickly for a moment. Mm. Remember when they did that horrible Stargate Origins? They apparently had a fucking Ugh. Stargate sweaty there. True. And that whoever that guy was, I can't even remember his name. He was that, you know, not important. He really fucked that up. Yeah, very true. Very, so, very true. Yeah. Note for producers and directors, vet your people. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But with a show like Star Trek, you know, which has got what a 60-year history now? Yeah, that's like, wild. Like it, it it is hard to, you know, make sure everything is consistent across like all that yeah, canon. Because yeah, it also comes from what pardon the pun generation of Star Trek you grew up on. It's just like, well, there's people who grew up on the original series and the animated series being like, this fucking next generation stuff is bullshit. It doesn't make sense. And, you know, whereas I'm very much a DS9 Voyager person. so I'm like, more next generation uh, DS9 Voyager together, I guess. Yeah. So I'm just like, for me, it's like, to me, that's that's the stuff I hold steadfast. And the other stuff around it, I'm like, hmm, that's not quite right. But it's like, I'm talking about shows that came almost last. Mm. Like, so it's like, you do have to give it a little bit of um, leeway, but also because it was standalone episodes, it's like, well, it didn't affect the following week because we're telling a different story. Whereas this kind of arc they're doing now, even, even with DS9, even though it had the like season long arcs, 
each episode still had a beginning, middle and end where, you know, everything was wrapped up that needed to be and then there was the other bits for next week. Whereas this show is very, very different. So like we were saying last week, it's like episodes one through four are kind of, that's one episode. Yeah. Um, so it's very hard consuming it week to week. I may have mentioned it a while ago, but I know like um, uh, the Hawkeye TV show um, over on Marvel, I wasn't a huge fan of that watching it week to week. But then... When you watched it all I together. I watched it all together. I'm like, oh, I actually enjoyed this a lot more because it just, it flowed. Because that really was just one extra long movie. Yeah, it really so was. So once this show is done and I can watch episodes one to ten all the way through, perhaps it'll all fit in because maybe there's something in episode 10 that will fix an issue I had in episode two or something like that. Potentially. You know, so yeah, I've, I've, that's the, the annoying part for me is, yeah, is having to to wait. I want it all now. Give it all to me now. Yeah, well, so I, I'm starting to like though that now, especially with, you know, Rose earring, that is one of the, mm. the things that's now bringing the two parallel storylines together. So, yeah. you know, like the the Titan and the Wharf and Raffi stuff, that is all going to come together next week. I'm sure of it now. Yeah, I hope we get to, to Daystrom by next week, surely. Well, and, and is Geordie working at the Daystrom Institute? I think I've seen online that people think, obviously he's a Commodore in rank and he could be working at a Starfleet Museum or something. So I, oh, I, I just, that, I, that's what I've seen online. I assumed he was like the head of like Starfleet Engineering or whatever it is. No, it's um, from from what I've seen, and I, it could be wrong. I don't know. Well, I've, I've seen him in two different uniforms as well. Depending on what trailer you watch, yeah, you it's s- like that cool jacket. S- well, yeah, you you see him in his yellow Commodore uniform, but you also see him in like a Command Red uniform at one point as well. Oh, I haven't seen that. Yeah, I saw that in one of the trailers. It might be the jacket that you were talking about that has sort of, it has like a dull red Maybe we're seeing sort of heading one of them as a changeling <laughs> or something. Who knows? Well, I mean, I'm assuming it's canon at this, like it actually happened at this point, but there's obviously the 100th episode of Voyager where you see Geordie LaForge, Captain Geordie LaForge of... Was it the Challenger? It was like a it was like a galaxy class ship. It was they sort of jumped to the future and he's pursuing Harry and Chakotay. I actually don't remember that at all. You don't remember that? So that was when um I've I've definitely not watched Voyager as much as I've obviously oh. I've seen it through each episode probably three yeah. or four times. You know the one where they, they, the Voyager crashes on the ice planet? Yes. Yeah, so that's Everybody died except for Harry. That was a very cool sequence, that was. Yeah, well, that was the 100th episode. So everyone died except for Harry and Tom because they were ahead of the slipstream drive in the Delta Flyer. That's, yep. They made it back to Earth, had survivor's guilt, then went back, dug up Seven's frozen corpse to then go back in time and change the outcome so that Voyager didn't get destroyed on the planet. So, And in that, in the future sequences, he was being pursued by Captain LaForge in Command Red as a captain on and they're being pursued by a galaxy. Well, they've changed the future, so it might not have happened. Yeah, so like in my head, I'm like, yeah, at a certain point, Geordie was a captain and he was commanding his own ship. Um, but yeah, it would make sense that eventually he would go up and, and because he's this vaulted uh, uh, engineer, as Sydney likes to tell us all the time. He's our generation, Scotty. Um, <laughs> it would, um, oh, I feel like, you know, I mean, O'Brien's the one who has. Statues, so <laughs> the most important man in Starfleet <laughs> yeah, history, you know, and he did go back to um, Starfleet Engineering to be a, a teacher, at least not command it because he's you know a non-com. But um, yeah, it, oh, would, yeah. it wouldn't make sense at a certain point. You know, Geordie went back to maybe be the head of, of Starfleet Engineering on on, um, on Earth or something like that. 
Well, have you got any more that you want to talk about with the changelings? Because I know you were sort of chomping at the bit there with changeling stuff. No, I, I think I, I think you got it all out. most of before. You know, changelings have already been able to beat blood screening since season five with the Klingons on Tiger Core and Martok and all that kind of stuff. Blood needs to separate from the body for it to revert to its gelatinous state. The intense dissection thing isn't new, so I don't... Yeah, that... Like, it was only once Beverly was, like, cutting into these organs and they were separated that they were, t- they were finally turning into goo. I and thought that like, was cool, hey? It's cool, but it's like, well, yeah, well, that's because they were separated from the body and they were turning to goo, like... Well, they were all sitting out happens. on the table. Yeah, but they're all still connected. And then it's when she cut it in half, it turned to goo. And I'm like, well, yeah, that's what Odo always did. So... Yeah, the science there I didn't I didn't great, but I did like the idea of the the one line they gave the actual doctor of the of the show. It did actually take me back to like next generation where um was it nurse who was the, the Asian nurse Ogawa? Ogawa, yes. The amount of times because she was kind of like Alyssa Ogawa. That's it. Uh, and that's right, she ended up becoming a lieutenant by the like lower because she was in lower decks and stuff, yep. like the episode lower decks. Um that's where she got promoted. Yeah, she was a featured extra. So it's like some episodes she would get lines, other times she was just an extra. So it's like the amount of times Beverly would just be talking to her and she'd be just be like nodding and go, mm, as Beverly was just kind of just verbal diarrheaing her sciencing. Take some knowledge. Yeah. <laughs> so I very much got that vibe when Beverly was kind of just expositioning and just working it all out. And they, I think the doctor got like one line. Which she, she was like, oh, is this a new life form? Are they evolving? I like the idea that, yeah, the, the changelings are trying to update the way they do things so they can be more pervasive again. Just all the other stuff around it with Bev. Because, like, Beverly sent that little message to Picard when he was being interrogated by Robert. Like, oh, changelings can beat blood screenings. Trust no one. It's like changelings have always been able to be- I really hope they're so. able to completely wrap up this changeling storyline in the next five episodes. Like, yeah. it would be great if, like, we get another series set after this. Yeah. Of like, you know, if they want to call it Titan or yeah, whatever they want to call it. Not the but Intrepid. Not that no, ship. I, not if, that ship. Not, the, that, not the dildo. Terry, if you're listening to this somehow, <laughs> or someone that works with Terry, I don't want to see that ship again. <laughs> I did see um, they kind of already have the tech that you thought they might have had last week for detecting changelings. Yes, seven. There, se- there was a line. Uh, yeah, uh, internal imaging scanner. So yes. every time someone comes on board a ship, they pass through an internal imaging scanner. Boom. So, so I guess I kind of get it and I kind of don't because, again, you know, Odo has that line, if I'm a rock and you scan me, I'm a rock. So it's like... But like I said, I though, they probably figured out how to do it. Well, so what they're leading to in this is like, I think what they're trying to say is the whole time we've known about the changelings, they appear human on the outside, but they're just basically like Play-Doh on the inside, which kind of makes sense and kind of doesn't. Now they're trying to make themselves human on the inside as well. Yeah, but like I say, it kind of, it makes sense and it doesn't make sense because it's like, if you scan a rock, you know that it's a rock all the way through. So when you scan Odo, you know he's not goo all the way through and everything. But then there have been a few lines that Bashir has said when he's like, when Odo does get infected by the um, by the disease and he's... The one that Section 31 made? Um, that virus? Is that what you're talking about? No, the one that the changelings gave him that made him have to go back and be judged to be oh, yeah, yeah. solid. Bashir does have a line where he's like, oh, you know, when you're in humanoid form, your body has a 
um, like a mass index of something, something always, but at the moment it's in flux. So that does make sense. And then there's also lines, I think Garrick says it at one point, um, something about you can't breathe or whatever, you won't be able to breathe. And Odo's like, I don't breathe. So it's like, yeah, when he's in humanoid form, he doesn't necessarily need lungs to breathe in oxygen or anything like that. So why would he make lungs inside him? So I guess that makes sense. Yeah. But also Odo... Has, it's been said many times, Odo is not as a successful changeling as the Link. Odo can't become a person. That's why Odo looks the way he does is because he can't create a human face. The Great Link can. They chose to look like that because when they first meet Odo, they chose to look like him. And then after he was punished and left them, they did it as a, a kind of a fuck you to him, being like, we're, we're going to do all these horrible things looking like you. Um... So, yeah, to me, it's like, well, a changeling who grew up in the Link could probably already create internal organs. But I, I like that they're exploring that. Yeah, like, we're this. just... We're, we're expanding on the, you know, the the mythology and the canon of, you know, these changelings. Yeah. I, I, I want to see things like Jem'Hadar and stuff as well, though. Ooh, I, I want I to see that. think about Jem'Hadar. Because, yeah, we haven't seen Jem'Hadar. We haven't seen Vorta... Yeah, or Would anything like that. Like, I, I want to see something like that because they are so good at genetic manipulation. They created them, didn't but, they? But after Odo went back to the Link, do you think that they would still be breeding Jem'Hadar? Well, do you think Odo would allow that? Like that was. But the we've whole... got this breakaway group, so who's to say that they're not going to restart that program? True, true. So, yeah, like... Obviously, they're playing with genetics to try and get themselves to be more human or, you know, whatever else, but still be able to be changelings. So, mm. you know, are the changelings that we have seen, are they, like, fully genetically engineered from mm. the ground up? And we've still got regular changelings? Because we have seen, like, well, the Thomas Decker, regular yeah, changelings. Yeah, so we definitely have regular changelings. So, yeah, it's interesting. Are... Uh, are they trying to add, maybe, yeah, species 8472... DNA or Borg DNA to them. Yeah, there's like there's a lot to answer to to in that. the next probably because obviously you know, yeah, five hours of TV. There's the there's the DNA strands from the um end credits and stuff yeah. like that, which could obviously link to um yeah the change. That looks like that could be Jack though. Yeah, it could be yeah. Jack, but obviously that's attached to whatever the changelings are doing. So yeah. There's, there's so much to answer, and I'm really looking forward to seeing it. Like yeah. it, This season has been really good so far. There's been a couple of little missteps here and there. I think, you know, Maddie, obviously you think there's been a few more missteps than what I do, but I, I think mean, overall you're liking the season. Oh, yeah, it's, it's, it's head and shoulders above 1 and 2, like Picard 1 and 2, Discovery, any of that kind of stuff. It's blowing all that stuff out of the water. Um, yeah, me being the sweaty trekker that I am, obviously I'm finding a few little things where I'm like, oh, if they just tweaked that, it would be perfect. Um, but yeah, overall I'm really enjoying it. Um, yeah, I'm just hoping that it doesn't sort of repeat that pattern of, of shitting the bed like, um, season one and two did. But yeah, well, And at the moment on IMDB, this episode has a rating of seven, a uh, correction. Seven. Why did I say seven? I have seven of mine, seven of nine on my mind, maybe. Um, 9.1 out of 10. 
so far. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I think oh, yeah, I, I definitely enjoyed it. Despite the issues I had with it, I enjoyed it more than last week's episode because last week had more peaks and valleys. The only and I've been very critical of the ship battles and stuff like that. The only issue I had in this episode was after Rose Shuttle takes out the nacelle, the way the ship kind of just dipped down for no reason. And then, yes, yeah, like so I noticed that. It's like it was sinking. Up. Yeah, I think sinking. that was just so they had a cool bit of CGI. It was. I jumped onto Twitter and I had a look, and Terry Mattel said it was basically the idea behind it was being it was like it was like you've just like thrown a rock at a dragon, and the dragon is raising back up to like it, it was fire a cool shot. You. Yeah, and that's why they did it with the music and the sound of the ship. It didn't really make sense, but I think they kind of just went, well, we just want a really really cool shot, so that's what we're going to do it. So I kind of forgive that. But also, I just wish the Intrepid was more, like, imposing looking. Like, to then... Because, really, they look like pretty equally matched ships. Yeah, very like, much so. They were very similar in size and yeah, all that sort of l- stuff. Yeah, like, like, imagine if um, the Titan was, say, like, the size of an Intrepid, and then the Intrepid was, like, the size of a Galaxy class. Like, you would be like, oh, fuck. But it's like... Their dishes were exactly the same size. They their nacelles were exactly the same size. They just had slightly different underbellies. So I'm just like, it'd actually be a pretty fair fight. But you know what? It's the Intrepid, right? Mm. Voyager is an Intrepid class. What happened to the Intrepid class uh, ship? Correct. Intrepid. Wh- where'd that go? Like, obviously, yeah. you know, we've seen a lot of ships getting destroyed and all that sort of stuff. I just, I'd like to know. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. And, and maybe we will find out. Who knows? In Rose, um, like all her info, there was a shot over on the far left of like the the Voyager A or whatever it is, like whatever class of ship that is. Um, but yeah, I mean, obviously there was there was like a USS. There was another USS Intrepid in like the original series. Yes, there, there was. was an Intrepid class. But yeah, I would like to know where a Defiant class. Like when we were in DS Nine and Next Generation, they were still using. The Stargazer and con- like um, Miranda, like all those old ships from Kirk's era, were still in service. Yep. So it's like now I feel like Intrepids and Defiance and stuff should still be in service, but they're the old ships. Like even in that alternate future in The Visitor, where um, uh, it's like old Jake and Cisco is like being bounced with like a rubber band through time. It's like they pulled you know, the, the Define out of mothballs and stuff like that to use it, obviously because it was their standing sets, but it's like, yeah, like I, I want to see those. But again, that, like we said before, that's just because that's my kind of favourite style of ship, um, whereas obviously the show creators prefer the Kirk generation of ships, so that's what they're putting in and they're, they're writing in a reason for it, um, which, yeah, it doesn't ruin it for me. Like I can still go back and watch Voyager or Deep Space Nine and get my ship porn um, from those episodes, so it doesn't take anything away. No. But, yeah, if they were going to do a new show, like a, a long-running show, like hopefully Strange New Worlds will be, yeah, I'd like to see a, you know, a 2370s-style kind of ship. That's that's well, my era. Just a little bit of uh, trivia here for you from Star Trek Online. So the Voyager A, mm. which we have seen, is a Pathfinder class. And it is nice. very much a update-looking thing of the Intrepid class Voyager. So... It kind of actually gives me Star Wars vibes with like some of the. Um, uh, it's not a massive ship either. It's only got a crew of two hundred. Yeah, but whereas it's Voyager like was what one fifty. One fifty, fifteen decks, one fifty. Um, 
but it's like it reminds me of like the like the Clone Wars era Republic ships that kind of had because it has that big sort of open bit in the middle of it, like the middle of the saucer. Yeah, it kind of gives me a little bit of um, Star Wars kind of vibes. Oh, anything else you want to talk about for this episode, um, Maddie? Like, I think we've covered just about everything in the I last did, hour I and twenty three minutes. <laughs> oh, is it that long? <laughs> See, um, I did like the little. It was one of those little again, another little member berry of mobile emitters. So obviously, yes. at this point, oh yes. How did um, I forget that? That was great. <laughs> that was great. And it's obviously like, obviously mobile emitters, oh, it's it's like, it would make sense that after, you know, the 20 odd years since Voyager's returned, we figured out a way to reverse engineer those, which Voyager couldn't do the whole time. Yeah, because that was what, from was the away. 32nd century, wasn't 29th? it? 29th? 29th? Something like that. Um, so that's great, but... So it's great that like I'm assuming Worf that was Worf's little thing like he had I don't I don't think Raffi had it I assume Worf had it as like one of, one of the things from his little bag of tricks. So I liked that he had it, but I was like, are they ubiquitous enough that people that, are going to know that what Vulcan they are. gangster should be able to recognize it? That was the only bit where I was like, I mean, I like that he kind of called it out was bluffing. I'm like, oh, are they? Yeah. So, but it was it was nice. It was all those you know that meme of um, Leonardo DiCaprio when he's like, yeah. That's me in this episode when they, you know, they reference. Yeah, the one reason like, like that yellow shirt. Yes, yeah, I know exactly which one you're talking um, about. So there was that. There was Picard speaking Bajoran, which sounded more like it was Klingon. He murdered. <laughs> he murdered it. That didn't sound like any Bajoran I've ever heard. Okay. Um, uh, it was weird when when Shaw at the end, um, called Red Alert, and he's like all non-essential people to their quarters. They're there wasn't too many. They're people running left. on a skeleton crew. It'd been established there was only a skeleton crew. Even Seven said. All your crew's over on the other ship. So if you start firing on that ship, you're firing on your crew. Well, actually, mentioning Shaw, like, we've seen, like, a little bit of character development from Shaw this season. Like, mm. he's been just a complete douche. And then I we've seen... hated him in this episode. We've seen a little bit of goodness in him. Yeah, we've seen lots have of PTSD. Have we? I've seen a little bit. Yeah, come on. You, you've got to admit, there's a little bit. But then we've seen all the PTSD type of stuff. We saw a little bit of... I think we saw a little bit of goodness this week, but then we went to fucking douchebag he mode was a again. Dick the whole time. Uh, I saw a tiny little bit. When? It was a tiny little bit. When? Give me a timestamp. Oh, time <laughs> oh, didn't write that down, Maddie. Uh, but then obviously, yeah, he's just gone back to full being a dick. Again. To me, he was a dick the whole time because it's like they have that meeting at the start. Well, he allowed Seven to, you know. Be reinstated. But basically. he was a dick about he it. He was like, still a dick. He did the fucking little chop on the shoulders. Like, you're Do you want to be stated or not stated? Yeah, uh, I'll be stated. <laughs> yeah, while you're all getting fucking reamed. No, he was a dick this whole episode. And to me, it was like again, but great. he still ran. The performance was awesome. Like everything he did was hilarious. But to me, it just didn't track from last week where he was super serious and dark about all. He like if like everyone's been raving about that scene, which. As I said last week, fantastic acting, shit writing. Um, if, if, if you're sure right and you go... Yes, he was heavily medicated, so we that is a little note to remember, but it's like if you go through all that and he finally lets out all that vitriol of why he really fucking hates Picard and has hated him for the last 40 years or whatever, and then a couple of hours later he's quipping and he's like humming in the elevator with him going, <laughs> you're going to your court, Marshal. Like, like Really? Is he that petty? Is he that much? He, of a he does seem that petty. But yeah, you know, now, like, they obviously convinced him that, you know, he needs to run. Well, and yeah. I, I liked that shot where the Titan 
warped out of there and the uh, photon torpedoes. Yeah. It was weird that they pulled a the full Yui though. Why not just like, just go down and fly apart? Like it was weird that they just pulled a full 180 and gave. I know. Sydney, what are you doing? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I did like the moment where Riker's like, well, if you don't trust any of us, Look at your fucking view screen. Trust that. Like, Maybe that's a sure maneuver. Which <laughs> you and your fucking maneuvers, mate. <laughs> but that's one of the reasons I I don't think Shaw is a good captain. Is it's because it's like Riker had to be like, look out your front window, dickhead. But I will say there was that um, after Row, it's like says goodbye and before she blows herself up, and Picard walks back onto the bridge and he's like, oh, that was the quickest court martial ever. And Picard's like, we have to run. I can't tell you why. Just trust me and go. Of course Shaw's going to say get fucked. All he had to say was, changelings are in charge of that ship. Rose just told me we need to go Sydney, now. engage, go. Yeah, like, of course Shaw's not going to listen to him. Tell Shaw what's going on and he'll act accordingly. Yeah, I still so think... So they're kind yeah. of, they're doing it to themselves. Like, in, in a yes, way he's are. a dick. Like, he, I'm sure he could just simply go... I don't believe you, but you know, by the time Rose fucking blowing herself up and you know, like kind of stuff like, yeah, you know what I want to see? I want to see Will just finally get pissed at him or seven, get pissed at him and knock him the fuck out. Seven. It has to be seven. (laughs) It has to be seven. Absolutely. Just absolute seven. Nothing else. The same way she knocked out that dickhead um, security office from like episode two. And then she needs to stick it in with her kick ass heels and step over his freaking lifeless corpse and take command of the Titan. Oh, I, I think we we are definitely going to get a redemption arc for sure. I'm sure of it. I've got that feeling, I, and I really hope they do. Like because I, like I, as much as sure the character is a wanker, right? The actor is doing such a great job. Oh, I must, want to see him in more Trek. He must after be having this. the most fucking fun ever. He does give me Maddie. You need to watch last week's episode of the Ready Room. Because he's on it. I don't have a VPN. Okay, I will lend you mine. <laughs> Screen record it and send it to me. Um, <laughs> I'm just going to give you a VPN password. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to fuck around with that. Um, yeah, he's having an absolute blast. Like, he's having great fun. He does actually give... Like, if Pike from Strange New Worlds was a dick, he'd be sure. Like, that's the kind of vibe I get. Like, I was sure, Because Pike's not a dick at all. No, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> But Shaw has this... Oh sorry, Pike has this kind of swagger and coolness about Charisma. Him, charisma. That I think Shaw thinks he has. Because the actor certainly does. Oh, absolutely. So the actor brings that charisma and swagger to the character. So it's almost like, I think Shaw kind of does think he's like a cool, fun like guy, but everyone just fucking hates him. Like all his crew hate his guts. Um, so for me... I don't know if he can be redeemed at this point. Was like, it he said in last week's episode, at some point, Charm became uh, being an asshole or something? Yeah, took like, over. Uh, asshole took over. Charm turned into being an asshole yeah. as a default of it. Like, and, like, don't get me wrong, we've had dickhead captains before. Like, it does remind me of that episode of Next Generation where, you know, there was that old captain of O'Brien's that was, like, out destroying Cardassian outposts yep. and stuff like that. He was a dick and he was he was doing the wrong thing, but then there was that cool twist at the end where he was actually right. The Cardassians were arming and hiding shit and, and Picard has that great moment with um Gull Ducat before he was Ducat. He had some other name, but it was the Ducat actor. Um that's really, really great. But it's like we got to see a a captain fall from grace 
but then be redeemed in 44 minutes. Yeah. We're five hours in at this point. So I'm just like, it's going to take a lot for me to not consistently think Shaw is a fuckwit. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I really think we're going to get that, yeah, that full development and he's going to be someone that we potentially like or have the possibility to like at the end. I think... It, and I hope that we do get that. I think he's going to have to... That's Star Trek, though. Like, yeah. You know, there's that hope for the future. He's going to have to pull a Riker and apologise and um, forgive And Picard. call 7-7. Seven, seven. Yeah, he's definitely going to do that. But just in terms of his stuff with Picard, he needs to apologise and forgive Picard I think for he ha- the Lacuta stuff. I think he has the self-awareness as the character as well to know that he's a dick. Yeah, well, he, he did he, last week. Yeah, when he, said, he you has know. that self-awareness. Yeah, so I think at some point... It's like if, if you have that self-awareness to know that you're a dick, you can change. Yeah, like maybe it is, like like I was saying, like he thinks he's Pike, but he's actually Jellicoe. Like, oh. <laughs> you know... So maybe maybe there'll be a moment later on where Sydney, like he, maybe he thinks he's cool and Sevens and Picard are the ones in wrong and and all the the crew are on his side, and maybe Sydney finally like gets up the nerve to be like, Nah, bro, we all hate you. Maybe he's got one of those bug things on the back of his <laughs> neck. Well, the the two changeling officers did do that little, <laughs> which kind of reminded me of that. Bugs. But yeah, may, maybe it takes Sydney saying something to be like, Bro, we all think you're a dick for him to go. Oh, <laughs> and maybe have that self-realization that he's a he's a dick. Imagine that your yeah, ensign turns around to the captain and goes, "Oi, I've been a dick. Oi, pull your fucking head in." Like, yeah, that's it's it's going to take a lot to redeem Shaw in my eyes. Anyway, that's about it from uh, this week's uh, you know podcast. Mm. We're currently at an hour and thirty three minutes, so this I is our longer. We're just getting longer and longer with these podcasts every yeah, time. Yeah. How did we think it went? Like, obviously, Maddie and I didn't get to watch the episode together mm. uh, this week. You know, hopefully that's not a continuing thing. It's just you know, we're victim of circumstance this Spoiler week. Spoiler alert: It might happen again next week. We'll see how we go. Oh, Maddie's family, <laughs> but we'll see what happens. Um, yeah, next week's episode is called Bounty. Ooh. So maybe Vatic okay. uh yeah, maybe well, yeah, Vatic well, is going to get Jack the bounty. Is the bounty, isn't it? Yeah. Well, so we're being led to believe Jack is the bounty. Potentially. There's there's no synopsis there just yet. Mm. So we'll, we'll see what happens. Interesting. Rightio. So what was your one from last week? Because I've been saying girls, guys, and binars, and you wanted to say Oh, it's um Girls, guys, girls, girls guys, guys, and, and Janais. Yeah. Yeah. All right, that's it uh, from us. Uh, the Making It So podcast. We will catch you next week. I really wish Ro didn't die. <laughs>